Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? There we go. Do you know what that sound is? That's the sound you lost on every game show. Yes, but do you know why that applies to me? Um, yeah, I know why you're going to say it, and and I, and I don't think it's a loss, but go ahead. Well, we'll explore. Uh, I know that there are people listening to this, and some of y'all are listening specifically because I sent out a post telling you how excited I was that I thought I had something, and then I sent out a follow-up post telling you how disappointed I was that I didn't have what I thought I had. And some of you said, man, we can't wait to listen to the Spears and Steinberg podcast so we could hear the details of why it was a And I learned a valuable lesson. Never celebrate until it's time to celebrate. And even when it's time to celebrate, don't celebrate. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> yeah. As you want, go ahead. Yeah. Talk. Well, just because, because there's too many haters out there, and w- and you you put yourself in the position for the haters to be like, yeah. Well, yeah. That, I, I wasn't worried about yeah, that. Yeah, but I, 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 I hate that. that. I hate that. I know. I know. And and I'm gonna tell you something, man. I really, before we even dive into this, I I, I really know that I have grown, and I know that sometimes I talk about wanting to grow and growth, uh, and often. Gr- Wanting to grow and growth is easier said than done. We all want to be better, but then we all fall back into the same habits because we are creatures of habit. And by that, I mean this uh, great quote by Warren Buffett. Um, if you can't control your emotions, you can't control your money. Um, and I thought about that and I, and I saw right where it applied to me. So I am no longer and I know I might have a relapse. From time to time, but I swear to you, Andy, I am no longer responding to negative motherfuckers on my Instagram. I, I will block you uh, before I respond to you because here's what, what where I know that applies to me. Instagram is a way to make money. You and I are, are still trying to get our T-shirts and our shit together for Spearsburg Pod. I want to sell merch on my page. 
um, and the the ability that I can use the the fact that I can use this, this platform, platform yeah. to tell dudes, hey, up and coming artists, rappers, singers, poets, actors, comedians, whatever your form of artistry is, you know, send me some money. I'll play your shit or at the end of a, an episode of the podcast. You know, th- this is a, this is a revenue stream, and every time you motherfuckers or haters clap at me and I clap back. Like I said, they do that bitch shit. You want to start something you can't finish and you fuck with me, you're fucking with your bitch. You fucking with a motherfucker whose tongue tennis game is ridiculous. Um, so when I clap back at you and you can't handle it, what you then do is go report me and if I keep getting reported and Instagram keeps sending me those, hey, community guidelines, you fucking up, we're going to delete you or you need to delete this post, eventually you'll, I'll get suspended like I did with Twitter. And guess what? Because I couldn't control my emotions, I no longer can control my money. So I took off my leather baseball cap and put on Andy's hat. I put on a yarmulke, nigga, and my beak grew. My nose is longer. I'm thinking like a Jew. Lahine, nigga. I like that you get uh, messages from Instagram that says, you're fucking up. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that would be great if that's what they sent out, actually. Right. To, you're, you're fucking up. So to Andy's, Andy's original point, for me, this was not about the haters because what I got was a lot of congratul- congratulatory love. Yo, I'm happy for you, kid. Yo, that's good. Yo, we know how bad you've been wanting this, how long you've been wanting this. And the abundance of love and support I got was phenomenal. And and to be honest with you, I didn't read not one, yeah, nigga, ha, ha. It wasn't none of that. It was more. Good. It was more, yo, sorry to hear that, man. Hey, don't worry about it. Think positive. It'll probably come back around, blah, blah, blah. So it was all supportive and love. Good. That means your 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 Instagram or whatever media you're using uh, are actually people that follow you because they like you, and, yeah. and not just a bunch of trolls. Exactly. So here's what happened. Um, look, they flew me out. Uh, like they said, they was first class. They put me in a suite, um, and the plan was supposed to be uh, have dinner with Mike, hang out with Mike. And then the next day, do the podcast. Um, and and but what happened was when I got there, the producer says to me, "Hey man, um, Mike's got three podcasts he's going to do today, the day I flew in Wednesday. Uh, one of which was with Dana White and Zab Judah. Uh, would you like to come hang out and watch that? And then later on, we do the dinner, and then tomorrow we do you. Had I not said yes to that." And just went, nah, man, I'm going to just hook up with Mike for dinner tonight and then tomorrow. And me and my boy, who I flew out, one of my best friends, Ivan, one or two of my best friends in life. We just going, me and him just going to kick it. So we'll we we we'll hang out with Mike later tonight and then tomorrow. I wouldn't have seen Mike at all. Uh, but I decided, you know, and my boy, listen, as much as I'm a diehard Tyson fan, my boy mirrors this nigga. My boy Ivan got hands. This nigga can fight. But he also does that UFC shit where he can throw legs, too. So he's a Mike. If I'm a Mike Tyson fan, this nigga's a groupie to the 10th power. So he and I flew him out because I know how exciting this was going to be for him. And he and I have been diehard boxing dudes since fifth grade. I mean, we we I, I flew him out for 
Tyson Bruno too, Tyson Selden, both Holyfield fights. He was with me when we saw De La Hoya Vargas, De La Hoya Hopkins. What else did we see? Uh, bah, 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 bah. I know there's one more in there somewhere. But we are fight fanatics. He's met Winky Wright. He met, uh, God rest his soul, I forget my man's name, Ike Corte. Um, uh, we've met everybody. Um, so this was a big fucking deal. So we're at the Circle Hotel. They're doing the podcast on the roof. And 60 stories up. This motherfucker's overlooking all of Vegas. Fucking gorgeous. Uh, film crew, everybody's on the roof. First comes in Zab Judah. Uh, I never met Zab. My boy met Zab for NBA All-Star Weekend in L.A. Took a picture with him, however long ago that was. Showed it to Zab. Zab is cool as a motherfucker. So he meets Zab. My boy V is a heavy weed smoker. Zab had a blunt in his ear. You know, uh, they got a dude who runs around with Mike with a backpack with weed in it. So they gave my boy Ivan all the weed he could handle. This nigga's on cloud nine. Then they're like, yo, Mike is at the pool, but he's coming up right now. In walks Tyson. I just saw his back. This nigga's neck is a bodybuilder's thigh. I mean, you just saw broad back. And when we saw Mike's side profile, it was like, oh, shit, he's here. Um, and did, he, then, did he did he wear a towel? Like the, the, no, no. Head, <laughs> no, that would be a hell of a way from being yeah, at the yeah, pool. Yeah, that would have been yeah. uh, the towel over his like yeah, the yeah, poncho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At uh, the pool, that would be a great way yes. to see Tyson. Um, but he walks in, black shirt, uh, tight jeans, and this nigga for some reason wear these all white New Balance that look like hospital shoes. Maybe he has bad feet. In those he days. might. What ironic that this nigga would wear hospital shoes when he put so many niggas in the hospital. <laughs> um, so he's sitting down and. I want to say something before I get to this because I sent out this post to all these motherfuckers out there that say this slick shit. And again, whenever I would put out a post about Mike Tyson and his career in boxing and all that other shit, of course, the abundance of response is love. Niggas love Mike. Mike is the goat to a lot of dudes. And Mike is a hero to a lot of these motherfuckers uh, because he's so real He's so raw. He's so honest. There's not a fake bone in his body, much so to his detriment at times. And he's just he's and, and this he survived the odds. He beat the odds. And I know I've said this on this podcast. We all thought he was going to be a statistic as a black man too, dead or in jail because of how he was behaving. But he rose above it all and he's doing well. So that's fucking, he's a hero to niggas. He's a superhero. Fuck Marvel. He's a superhero. So he goes to sit down, but he comes in the room. And to all them dudes out there that go, yo, Mike's overrated. I promise you, y'all niggas kill me because you wouldn't have the balls to say that to this nigga's face. Oh, man, there's niggas in the streets that I know will fuck Mike up. Let me tell you something. Y'all niggas, don't get it confused. Seeing Mike Tyson on a social media clip, seeing this nigga in a YouTube video is not the same as seeing this nigga in person. Mike carries an aura and a fucking vibe about him that will, that is so intimidating. He, you feel like this nigga will take your fucking life if you say the wrong fucking thing. And I know it's so easy 
for niggas to talk tough in in the seclusion or the or the safety of a distance. Because you go, what are my chances I'm gonna ever see Mike Tyson? So yeah, I can talk shit. I promise you on everything I love. If you saw this nigga in person and you saw this look in this motherfucker's eye, you wouldn't dare. It's literally like seeing a a a a a, a pit bull off a chain, a lion out of a cage. And I'm 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 not a dog guy. I, I'd love to be. Pitbulls scared the shit out of me. If 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 I see a chihuahua loose and it come towards me, my ankles, I, I put my leg up like, oh shit. Like I'm about to step in some shit. Oh shit. A pit bull would te- would scare the fuck out of me. Mike has that aura. I'm telling you. And when you look into this nigga's eyes and he hits you with that look, if if his eyes ain't dancing and he ain't smiling and he shoots you that look, I promise you, fuck what you think, all that tough shit. Yo, you 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 know to act right. You know not to overstep your bounds. That's the aura that Mike gives off. Now, I'm, I don't want to talk too much. If you want to say something, because I, I want to finish what I'm doing, but I want to also not hog up the... No, that's fine, because I like the story, but I'll just tell you because of what you're saying. Um, it, Mike was living in uh, Phoenix at one <clears> time, <throat> and I was at a club in Scottsdale, a bar, more, right. more of a bar. And uh, Mike walks in with his fr- friend, uh, with a couple of friends. You know, not not a huge crew, just, a, you know, right. maybe like three other guys. And, you know, Mike's not the tallest dude. Right, he's just big. Right, he's about your height, though. Yeah, but he's yeah, but he's, he's wide. He's like two of me wide. And mass, mass, yeah. there's mass and shoulders. And so yeah. they come walking in, and it, you know it's cool. Mike isn't you know they're not asking for anything. They're just coming in, and his guys that are with him are bigger. So everybody notices him come in, and we this is a, this is a, when he was living there. There was a lot of douchebags uh, in Scottsdale, and that's where this, this bar was. And uh, I just remember this one dude, you know, like a muscle dude. You know, like one, you know, in good shape mm-hmm. though. And he looked at Mike, kind of just glanced at Mike. And as Mike walked by him, I heard him say to his boy, "He goes, man, he doesn't, he don't look like he's that." And I swear mm. to you, Mike just turned around and it was just a, a side eye. Mm. And you felt air leave the room, dude. I'm telling you, when he walks into a room, let me let me quickly just side note: the day before. I did the Bill Bellamy show, and Bill and I go go back. We go way back, Jersey. We 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 two of the dudes <clears throat> out of that group in Jersey. We came in with a long list of comics: Terry Hodges, Derek Fox, Cool Bubba Ice, Hamburger, and a lot of them dudes didn't graduate to the next level. Me and Bill are the only dudes out of that Jersey class that graduated. And Bill was telling me, um, "Yo, man, I've been the only three people." That I've that I've ever been around, that when they walk into a room, everything stops. There's an aura. People go crazy. He said the three mics and and Bellamy been around all three: Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, Mike Tyson. Because at one point, remember, Bill Bellamy's was a MTV guy, yeah. personality, and I remember he interviewed Mike Jackson. Said he's hung around Mike and Mike, and uh, he was saying, dude. Mike Tyson is a god to niggas. Um, and when he walks into a room, he's like a hero to men. For all the reasons that I said. And he said, uh, 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 let me tell a quick Michael Jordan story because this is funny. And, I, you know, I'm a Michael Jordan fanatic too. He goes, 
Nigga, because I asked Bill, because I told him how much I love MJ, Jordan. I go, nigga, what is Jordan like? Because I keep hearing these mixed stories. Some people say he's cool as shit. Other people say he's a dick. He goes, man, there's two Michael Jordans. There's the brand. Sometimes I drink. He is me. Like Mike. Where he knows the cameras are on him and he has to be squeaky clean. And then he goes, then there's the real Mike. And Mike's a nigga. Michael Jordan is a Negro. He goes, the first time I met Mike, I was doing a show in Chicago. Him and Harvey, or, uh, I think I want to say Harvey Dent, Richard Dent, came to the show. He said, Mike can't sit in the crowd. So he's got to be backstage because it would just be hysteria, especially in Chicago. So he goes, Michael Jordan's backstage. And Michael Jordan goes, Bill Bellamy, you're a funny motherfucker, man. And Bill goes, damn, Mike, you know who I am? He goes, Michael Jordan goes, I got cable, nigga. So then he goes, there's another time when him and Jordan are playing pickup ball in this little gymnasium. And at one point, I guess somebody didn't pass Mike the ball. And he said, Mike clapped and yelled at the top of his lung. Pass me the ball, nigga. Pass me the ball, nigga. And I, I just, I was like, God, I want to meet that Mike. So now let me get back to Tyson. Um... So, boom, Tyson comes in, all that, and I go to introduce myself. And first of all, like Dave Chappelle went, I met O.J. Simpson on three separate occasions. And before this show is over, I'm going to tell you about all three of those cases. I'd already met Mike three times. This was my fourth meeting with Mike. The first time, Jerry's Deli, I said when he came in, everybody applauded. I gave this nigga the half-man hug. The nigga's back felt like a fucking Buick. Uh, The second time I met him, Best damn sports show when Michael Irvin was like, yo, Aries, do the impression in front of Mike. I ain't want to do it. Because I was like, nigga, fuck that. That's Mike Tyson. And this was pre-Feng Shui Mike. This was pre-I'm a new guy. <laughs> this was Mike Tyson. I'm raping niggas. Um, and eat your children. And eat your children. Uh, I'll eat them while I rape them. Um, the third time I met him uh, was, was um, fuck. Uh, oh, when I wanted to do the skit with him and I, his boy, I think his name was E-Rock, uh, set up a meeting where I met with Mike in the lobby of a hotel and I wanted Mike to do this, the skit where basically it was called, uh, what will you do? The concept was two dudes smoking weed and the one guy says to the other guy, <laughs> like in a, in a weed high scenario, yo, what would you do if you left for work? And you forgot something and you went back to your crib and you walked in and Mike Tyson was fucking your girl and the missionary in your bed. And you just see this nigga's back and lats just destroying your bitch's pussy. And I wanted Mike to do that skit with porn star Mary Carey, who I knew at the time. And Mike was going to do it. But then at the last minute, he didn't want to do it. So I had met him three times already. But again, he you know, this is Tyson. He meets so many motherfuckers. Um... You know, I get it. He might not remember. Um, and then the producer told me beforehand, he was like, yo, man, uh, Mike not only smokes weed, this nigga does a lot of shrooms. Like, there are times when Michael just Michael just pick up a handful of shrooms and down them at one time. And sometimes that fuck with his mood. Mike can be a moody dude. You know, we never know what we're going to get. So I walk over to Mike, and I'm like, hey, Mike, how you doing, brother? It's an honor for me to do this. This nigga looked at me. Like, I just slapped his wife. I mean, there was no love, nigga. There was no sense of 
hey, dude, hey, man, happy to have you. And I was like, all right. And then my boy, Ivan, was like, hey, how you doing, Mr. Mike? And Mike shook my hand, but they only dapped my man up with the fist. He seemed hesitant to shake my hand because he seems worried about the corona shit, even though he ain't had no fucking mask on. Um, and so we did that. And it was, you know, me and my man walked, left the area, and we walked over to the bar. And my boy beat me to it because I was seconds away from saying it. But my boy beat me to it. And it was like, yo, we got no love. Yo, that was crazy. Now, before I go on, let me just say this. And I emphasize this so much. I'm never looking for nobody to kiss my ass because I'm not in the ass kissing business. But there's a there's a there's a there's a general rule or a sense that when two people are in the same hustle, there's a respect factor. Again, I'm not asking you to dance and kiss my ass, but it's like, okay, Mike's form of entertainment is sports. My form of entertainment is stand up. Different things, but the same. We're entertainers. So when other entertainers see you and they know your work, even if you don't know them personally, there's a a respect like, yo, same game. Love, yo. I'm not into UFC and MMA, so I don't know any of those dudes. But there was a shitload of UFC and MMA dudes there. And my boy Ivan is into all that. So he was like, yo, there goes so-and-so. And there goes so-and-so and so-and-so. I was like, who? I don't follow it. But a lot of them dudes came up to me and was like, yo, man, love, man. Love what you do. Yo, you're hilarious. Love, respect. And, you know, I I don't know who they are, but I'm giving it back for no other reason than respect. And even some of the camera grips in the crew was like, yo, you the star here. Yo, Aries. They showed me so much love. And I just, and maybe it's my fault for assuming. I just assume Mike would show me some love, man. And maybe... Again, he meets so many people, so fuck the fact that we already met. I might be a blur to him. But if he knows anything or knew anything about me, which, again, with Best Damn Sports Show, when he was arriving and I said, hey, Mike, and he hit me with the, I know who you are, nigga. I know who you are. So he knows that I fucked with him on Mad TV, but that was so long ago, I'm assuming maybe that might be forgotten. But anyway, you know who you're doing the show with. They prep you beforehand. Zab Judah. Showed me so much love. And I never met Zab. But Mike just didn't show me love. And it just it just was like, okay, so far we off to a bad start. Then we were supposed to have dinner that night. Uh, my boy flew in from the East Coast, got up at 5 a.m. He was a little tired. And after we, we and we didn't stay and watch the whole Dana White thing. We stayed for like 10 minutes. Then we were like, hey, man, let's go to the mall. I got to get some shit. So then we later on, we, we take a nap later that afternoon and it's about 730. I call the, the producer and go, hey, man, it's 730. What time are we having dinner? And, uh, you know, he goes, well, we had to do three podcasts that day. We just finished. But Mike, uh, we're not sure if we're going to dinner. Mike's saying he's a little tired. He might want to go to bed. All right. Cut to we wait an hour later. It's 830. Me and my man getting hungry. We want to go eat. So I'm like, hey, just want to check back up. Are we doing dinner? Man, Mike's tired. He's going to bed. So now dinner's canceled. So cold reception, no dinner. And I really wanted to go to dinner because to me it was going to be a feeling out process. Because there's so many things I wanted to talk to Mike about. And, you know, 
some of my questioning, I, w- I, w- I wouldn't be stupid enough to say anything crazy or disrespectful, but I, I want to still know, because it's still Mike, what can and what can I and can I not say? Because I don't want to trigger this nigga. And and the one one of the things that I thought was going to be special about this, and and why so many people that wrote in said they thought it was going to be dope, was because they went, "Yo, you and Mike are both raw. You're real. You're honest. You pull no punches. You passionate about boxing. He's one of the best." They anticipated this would be fireworks, and I wanted to feel like out to, to know, okay. He cool. He seems receptive. I think I can this. I think I can that. But because the dinner didn't happen, now I'm I'm stuck with, damn, we just going to go in cold. Yeah. And I ain't going to know what to say. And I don't want to say the wrong thing. But fuck it. it. It is what it is. Cut to the next morning. I get up early. I take a shower. I'm halfway dressed. Ding on my phone. I get the text alert. The producer. Yo, something came up. Mike's not going to be able to do it. I only seen him do this one other time. It's unfortunate. He's got to handle something. It ain't going to happen. Okay? So, fuck it. Uh, All the the red flags were pointing in this direction anyway. Look, I didn't pay for nothing except for my boy to come out. They put me up. They flew me out first class. Um, Fuck it. It is what it is. But the thing that really got me was at no point hours after that, at any point that same day, did I get a call from any of the producers, a text going, hey, man, again, we apologize. We know we dragged you out here. We'll make it up to you. This, that, nothing. Nothing. And, you know, there it is. So this was like uh, De Niro and Al Pacino and Godfather too. No, this was the Irishman, nigga. Well, no, but the Irishman, they actually met up. This one in Godfather I, I, 2, they break, never Break meet down up. the analogy. I'm not sure where I follow. In Godfather 2, they never meet. They're both in the movie, but they never come together. Yes, that's a good example. Yeah. But so is the Irishman. Yeah. You expect fireworks with these motherfuckers. Yeah, that's true, too. And there were no fireworks yeah. at all. Yeah. Well, it's unfortunate because, uh, yeah, I think that the, the, the two of you together would have really, I mean, people were looking for like a meeting of the Titans. Right, and it just didn't it didn't come together. And you know what it also taught me, and I and here's where I, I that's why I said, don't celebrate till it's time to celebrate. Even when it's time to celebrate, don't celebrate. I got so caught up in the fact that, you know, like you had been telling me, you always have a positive outlook, and no matter how pessimistic I get, you always have an optimistic approach. And I've been trying for this for over a year and a half and got nothing but Mike can't do it. Oh, we're going to put you in. Oh, we want to have you. Oh, something came up that I'm like, dude, this is a drought. But then when it rains, it fucking pours. I could have, they could have called me to say, Hey, let's do this at the ranch in Cali, which ain't going out to Vegas, having to get on a plane. And there it is. But I'm like, damn, I'm going to Vegas. They fly me out. First class. Dinner with Mike. Hanging out with Mike. Then the podcast. When it rains, it pours. And I got so emotionally excited. I called everybody that was important to me. I posted it on Instagram. I wanted people to feel my excitement. And I'm just like, dude, slow down. Take a deep breath. And lower your expectations. Because how you play it out in your mind and I've played this out in my mind for a year and a half, what I wanted to ask, how I was going to ask it. And I played this out <clears throat> that I, I created this vision that I thought would happen. And it was all going to work out this way. 
And the reality is, even if we had done the podcast, with or without the dinner, it might not have flowed how I wanted it to flow if Mike decides I'm going left. Like the, the, the producer told me some shit about something called Toad or whatever it was. And he was like, yo, Mike is heavy into this. So what the fuck is that? I don't know what it is. It's something about near-death experiences. And it was this near-death experience slash Toad experience that Mike had that made him go from acting like a savage to this new guy. And he said, Mike is a philosopher. I went, oh, shit. In my mind, I'm going, oh, shit. The word philosophy and Mike go together like exquisite and a $2 hoe. Nigga, he's, he likes to talk about God and death, and I do too, but the stars and the moon and the calculations and the aura of the universe, that's all fine. But nigga, if we don't talk boxing, this is a problem. That, to me, is the meat and potatoes. I want to ask Mike, Mike, did you ever think about getting, getting back with Kevin Rooney? Mike, when, when you lost to Douglas, did you ever want to revenge that? Mike, what do you say to the people who go, you're overrated because when you fought the top tier fighters like Lennox and Holyfield, you fucking lost. When I believe that you weren't the same fighter out of prison that you were before prison. So I defend you in that. Mike, what's it like to go to jail knowing nobody is going to fuck with you? You can knock out every nigga in a prison. I wanted to ask deep questions, questions about Cuss and, and, and Jimmy Jacobs and all the juice. And, and, but nigga, if you want to discuss the constellation and the stars and the universe, okay. Yeah, but you're going on his pod. You, you were there to discuss what, the direction that the host takes it to. Well no, well, no, I'm the guest. Yeah. So the guest is supposed to be, as a guest, he's supposed to be interviewing me. Right. So why would he interview? You can't interview him. You can't ask him those questions. But it's also a conversation. It's give and take. Yeah. We did that with Ice-T. We've done that with everybody that's ever been a guest. Yeah. You know, I. the only reason why, again, it's Mike Tyson. So if Mike say, I'm going left, guess what? You're going left. Left. But- it's not over. I mean, you don't know. Something could change tomorrow, and then they call you back. You're right. It could. But that's the reason you handle it the way you're but I'm, handling But I'm done chasing. I, I Listen, the last time I talked to the producer, and he said the same shit he had been saying to me. Yo, we want you on. Yo, we're going to make it happen. And it didn't. I said, dude, I'm done chasing, man. If this happens, they got to call me now. There's no way I'm, I'm going to follow this up. A week or two from now, and go, hey Rob, to, produ- to, to the producer, is there a chance we could make this up? I'm done. If this is going to happen, excuse me, they are going to call me because I'm not going to chase this. Um, and, and and I want to go back to you know the one thing about Tyson because we talked about this a little bit yesterday while we were in. Uh, the Southern Kitchen here in Tacoma. We went to our favorite place, of course. Southern Kitchen, right next to uh, the notary place. The what, notary place. What was the notary place called? Pop, Pop and no Notary? Yeah. Pop and Notary, I think is what it is. Right next to Southern Kitchen in Tacoma. The reason I brought it up is because the guy, as soon as you walk by that place. And yeah, I he pointed, had, I he had hit me up on Instagram and said he wanted me to come by. And I pointed at the sign. Right. And he came right Came out. running. Um, you know... Most people, we had kind of discussed this. Most people, when they get money, 
uh, or they come from the ghetto and they get money. While they, a lot of people claim to want to keep their roots in the ghetto and in the hood and where they come from, the truth is the higher up they get on the ladder of success and wealth and they get to taste the finer things in life, the more they remove themselves from what they said they wouldn't remove themselves from. But what's crazy about Mike is you truly know and get the sense he's still Brownsville. In his heart, in his soul, in his behavior, in his attitude, and in his habit. Yes, he's had $300 million. And, and, and when, when they go, Mike is broke. He squandered $300 million. Mike ain't broke. He's still got money. His, his broke is everybody, the regular man's rich. Like, for instance, the CEO of Cameo was there. And, you know, I'm on Cameo. I charge sometimes as much as $500 for a Cameo. You know what I mean? It's candy from a baby. It, it takes 10 seconds to read some shit off my phone that somebody had written that's a teleprompter. And I can make money like that. The CEO of Cameo had been wanting to sign Snoop and Mike for so long. And I got iced tea on it. Dude told me Mike Tyson gets 50000 a Cameo. And he doesn't do them. He don't like doing them. A lot of times his wife Kiki will feed him the lines and he'll just say it. He don't want to read the thing off the teleprompter. When you are turning down 50 fucking grand for something that takes seconds, that's insane. He doesn't need the money, man. He don't need the money or he don't want the money. He don't want his, maybe he just doesn't want his brand to be on someone's phone. With Then why would you mic. sign up for it? I don't know. Because it sounds it sounds good, but then you think about it. Now you got your your voice on somebody. Uh, you know, I'm not. This isn't. This isn't. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm going to say it this way. Uh, I remember um, a long time ago when um, I think it was Massimo. The the, the 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 there was a brand, a clothing brand. He made uh, like volleyball wear and stuff. And then right. now it's at Target. Anyway, way back when he was the biggest thing, and this is in the late '80s. Uh, they said, well, what is it like to have in your name on everybody's body? He goes, it's great, except uh, when it's on someone's body, you don't want it on. Well, you don't have a say in that. So, But that's his, Tyson's thing. Maybe someone called it, it's 50000 but it's going to be some guy that he absolutely despises and is going to have you, that. You think Mike gives a fuck about that? And furthermore, furthermore, that feeds more into the narrative of what I'm talking about, about a Brownsville ghetto mentality that you just... Like, that to me is dumb. If that's the case, don't sign up. But my point is this. You, you truly get the sense that, that, that Mike is still Brownsville. Yeah, he's been around kings and queens. He's been around dignitaries. He's been in that, in that great documentary by James Tobach, Tyson. He explains this. He's been all over the world. He's been with... Uh, Saudi princes and people that just love him and he's been offered all kinds of money but he's still a hood nigga deeply ingrained in the hood and 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 celebrity and money and all that shit while he's had it and still has some of it meaning money and he's going to forever be famous don't get it confused he will fuck you up because he's from Brownsville and that's still with him, but that that that's that thing where, uh, it, you know, I'm going to over. I might overstep in what I'm about to say, but that's that 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 thing with, especially in the black community, where you can't, you don't leave the hood. You know, if you 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 are you're a sellout if you leave that hood. 
if you leave that mentality, if you leave any of that behind? According to the people that stay in that mentality, according to the people who never plan on leaving that mentality, that's a dumb mentality. You don't owe anybody nothing. You want to give back. You want to serve the community. That's beautiful. That's noble. You want to enhance and enrich the community a la Magic Johnson and put money into the community and uplift it. That's wonderful. Do you owe that? No. If you choose to do that, is that great? Does it help your people? Absolutely. I I think it's a little bit of not – culturally, it's it's culture. And I think you got – when you want to – when you want to stay connected to your culture, you got to decide what is the part of the culture that you want to keep with you. I think too many people, and, and I, you know, I said this about the black community, but you know, we were just in Cle- in Cleveland. I'm so glad you brought that up because I was going there. Um, I, I think I, I think people that are, live in something heavy, depression, mm-hmm. um, they think that that's the culture, the, the heaviness. And then they stay there because they think that that's what it is. That's the or, culture. Or they don't know no better. Or they don't know no. But you could say it that. But I like. And, and again, and, and, uh, and I'm going to use this. I'm going to take it all the way out to like more. When I when I brought up about white folks don't identify with other necessarily with other white folks as as man. The goal is, and I get you. You may want to call it. I guess you could call it selling out, but it's not selling out. I mean. When you're white and you 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 have some success, your your goal is to move out of wherever that depression, that heaviness is. But then again, like I just said in Cleveland, when you get so consumed by that, that's where you stay. That's where you think that you belong. And that's so unfortunate. You know, let me tell you something. There was a, a moment when I was in Cleveland, and uh, you know, I, I've made no bones about this. Uh, Cleveland's not one of my favorite cities, and like I said, there's a there's a misery. And a depression and a and a and a ghettoness uh, with some and, and that's listen that's a lot of ghettos and a lot of niggas everywhere. This ain't just relegated to Cleveland, but Cleveland has some extra spicy on their ignorant. Uh, at one point, I'm on stage, and this older, disheveled black woman comes up uh, who looked like a crackhead who barely cleaned up, and she comes to the front of the stage and she goes, "You don't want none of this." And she opens her jacket, and I'm scared to death because I'm thinking I'm going to see titties at her kneecaps. But, you know, she's dressed, but she's just drunk and disheveled. This bitch probably had all of two teeth in her mouth. And her son stood up and kept going, that's my mama. Amen, that's my mama. And all I kept going and thinking and saying was, man, get this bitch from the stage, nigga, I'm doing a show. What the fuck is this? This is some, and, and I know motherfuckers get drunk and yell and act a certain way, but for this bitch to come literally up to the stage, standing up, disrupting the show, two teeth in her mouth, and this nigga is proudly, that's my mama. And it was like, when, and it happened to be our last show for the weekend of the eight shows that we did. It was the very last one. And I and I said this to 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 the people listening, I said this to Andy while we were at Tacoma uh, in, the, in, the, in the Southern Kitchen yesterday eating. I go, dude, I, I was so inspired to write my mother an email. And I wrote my mother an email, and I thanked her. And I said, Ma, I want to thank you for taking the time to go the extra mile, for making me and my sister do book reports in the summer, to make sure that we read and were well-read to make sure that we used grammar properly and could articulate 
in the proper way. Um, thank you. Thank you for, 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 for making me cultured and making me listen to different types of music and art and not just one thing. Because what my mother did was she equipped me with the skills necessary to go beyond what was around me and to dream and to go for it and to believe. And what I thought was sad was this nigga going, that's my mama. I'm like, your mother failed you, nigga. And I don't mean, please, I hope this doesn't come off as some bougie shit because it's not. Because it's not his fault. That's where he comes from. His mother did not give him the skills necessary to grow beyond that environment, to reach for something bigger and better. He's he's in that world because she comes from that world. And before her, her people. And before her people, their people. And it's generational. Denzel said, learn to break generational curses. You even piss your family off when you start to break generational curses. And my mother equipped me to have a chance, not just have a chance, but with those skills succeed. Um, it's funny you said that about generational curses like that. And and this being said, I'm about, uh, you know, I don't think I really hold hold back my personal life here. So I'll, I'll continue in that vein. Um, I love my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom had me uh, when she was young. And uh, she was married, and there was divorced, and she raised me basically on her own with the help of my grandmother. But my mom did it for by herself for like the first five, six years of my life, and then she got remarried. And I had a stepfather. They didn't have the best relationship. And my mom uh, did want us to succeed. She did the things that she knew how. Like you go to school, she knew the basic rules: go to school, do what you need to do, get good grades, hopefully go to college. None of my not my parents didn't go. Neither one of them finished college, but. Um, you know, she knew that that was a, a door to success. But there's other things that, you know, that they don't realize that they do. And, and, I, and I was talking to you about this because my mom, I had to put her on like phone restriction at one time because she would call me and she would tell me everything that's wrong with her, the house, the family, everybody. And uh, I finally said, hey, mom, you can't, I can't talk to you anymore until like when, I, when we talk to each other. I want two good things that are happening in your life. And then you can say all the bad stuff. And that was a rule for a while. And then we, I kind of let that rule slide. And I just talked to her the other day, and she did this thing where she just told me everything that was wrong, how this dinner didn't work out, how the people that were – and then she goes, you know, but I don't want to complain. Well, you just spent 15 <laughs> minutes complaining. You, you, you took yourself down this rabbit hole of, of negativity and, right. and not being positive. And, you know – and, my, and, and there's a little resentment, a little teeny bit in my family because I don't spend time with my family the way that the rest of my family spends time with them right. because I don't want to stay in that. And, and, and people, when you, when you leave something, there, there's some resentment because they might not understand it, but I, I think it's so important for, for us as people to really be self-aware and examine where, uh, what you're going to be if you stay in that. And, I couldn't do that anymore. I had to remove myself from. I didn't do. I didn't do it initially as a young man. I did it as I became older. But man, that's that's what keeps people in this. The, 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 and the thing what he says, generational. I mean, if you if if you if you come from a, a depression, poverty, whatever it is, and and you have generations of that, and you do exactly the same thing that everybody else is doing, that's all you're going to have. You have to break. You have to look at it, and you have to break away from it. Even if it's only a little bit, you're doing it for your kids to fully break away from it next time. 
Right. You have to open up that door. And it's hard because there's no one who pulls you back in to a bad situation like family. Family is often worse than your friends. Yes. Like, like they, I forget. I, I, I know I'm not going to remember. There was a saying something about, I think Jadakus had some saying where it was like, blood is thicker than water, but I don't remember the butt part. But there was something where he phrased it where basically it alluded to, but friends are, are, are almost better than family in some sense. I wish I, I don't even, I shouldn't even said this shit unless I knew the quote. It's something about how I, you choose your friends. Or something like that. But listen, like I said, I got real family members who I don't even talk to and deal with. And my two best friends in life, Ishmael and Ivan, are closer to me than my actual brothers. I got I got two brothers, one named I got two actual brothers, one named Kenya and the other named Jimmy. I can't tell you the last time I talked to these niggas. But Ivan and Ish are my brothers. You know, and, 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 you know, whatever, man. Um, but, and, and to your point, what you just said, though, this is, and this is where it gets hard because you just said that about you have two actual legitimate family brothers. Yeah. If they changed, you would make room for them. But they're mad that you changed because, and you left them. They don't want to realize that if they changed, there's room for them well, with that, you. That could be a scenario. But to be honest, when I say I haven't talked to them, not because there's, any of that, I never really knew them. We had the same oh, okay, father, okay, but okay. different mothers. So I never really knew them like that. And they were out of Chicago while I was in New York and New Jersey. Once or twice, my dad hooked us up whenever we would go visit in Chicago, but I just never knew him. But you would think that if these are my actual blood brothers, we would reach out to each other. We, there would be something that automatically is supposed to connect us, but there isn't. Um, and, and, you know, like I say, man, f- family is what you make is who you make of it. You know, so that's just my situation. I, you know, I just wish. And, and again, to my point, Tyson is so ingrained in that hood shit that while he may have had the money and had the fame or still has some money and has the fame, his mentality is still Brownsville. His mentality is still the ghetto. So, you know, because I just think, look, time is money. So you mean to tell me whoever's credit card or whoever's paying for these rooms, you just go, fuck it. I don't want to do it. And and now people have, are losing money You because you just don't feel like it. You go, ah, fuck it. I'm blowing it off. But that, that doesn't define him being Brownsville because they, he can you can slip. You can you can readjust your character and be who you want to be, and then sometimes fall back into it on, in a bad mood, in a bad day, in a bad. I mean, when when we diet, when we try to be better people, no matter what it is, we try to make those changes. We still slip. Yeah, but I think there's a difference between a slip and habit. The, 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 I mean, Mike is just you know he he does a lot of shit that's just straight thuggish. You know what I'm saying? Which, which, which is why he's put himself in certain positions. While he may have been taken advantage of, he still put himself in a lot of positions where he just made crazy decisions. Yeah, but hood decisions. But you know that he's trying to better himself, though, because of the one interview when they're having the conversation and he starts talking about something deeper and it got personal and you could see it in his face and he goes, hey, I, 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 I think you better go now. That's a decision that he made in his life not to uh, involve that person in whatever was going to happen next. He wanted them to leave. That's a big, that's a step anyway. You talking about when a dude talked about his daughter and the accident. Uh, yeah. Or, yeah. I 
I don't know if I count that moment because as he, as he said, he was he had to get high. He was already fucked up in a fucked up place. Then that happened, and then that just he 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 just he was choked up dealing with some shit that was too heavy for him to go on with the interview at the time. But so I'll give that. Yeah, I'll give that what that is. But it, but there's so many other examples outside of that. Yeah. Where I just go, like you just like again, you just get the sense that with certain people, when they come up, when they come into success, they come into money. I'm not saying change who you are a hundred percent, but you also adapt to your new surroundings, to your new lifestyle. And, and while Mike has done that, because when you got money, what you gonna do? You go, you gonna you gonna be worth three hundred million and still live in the projects? That's just dumb. So of course you graduate, but I, I, you always got the sense that while Mike may have graduated physically, financially, he never graduated mentally from Brownsville. That was still it's still in him. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like you would, so most motherfuckers with money and fame and something to lose would go. You know what? If such and such says something to me or does something, I'm smart enough to know. I could get sued, so I'm not going to do this no matter what. Or I'm going to put myself around people or in certain positions who can handle it for me so that I don't have to do that. With Mike, you get the sense, I promise you, if you say the wrong thing, this nigga, fuck a bodyguard. Mike will will snuff you. He will take you out. He don't give a fuck about none of that shit. A lawsuit. Of nothing. Well, I don't know that. I, 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 I'm, I, you know him better. Obviously, you know him. You met him. You study him more than I ever have. I, I have very little knowledge of, of Tyson. But I just think it, it culturally, which the goal in in life is is to is to better to make to take yourself up up and uplift yourself. But the culture of where you came from, knowing who you are. And, and understanding that that's in you, that's innate, but you don't have to give that to everybody. That's that. I, that's why I never understood. That's why I still have some questions about when I ask you about selling out. To to improve yourself isn't a sellout. To forget where you came from, that's the sellout. That that's what it would be to me. I think you always have to remember though where you came from. I don't think anybody ever forgets where they came from because it takes no effort in that. That's a memory. That's that's a you know how you act. Or, or, or how you, you know, how you dismiss yourself from that in terms of how you act is noticeable. Maybe what you say feeds into that. But but whether or not you mentally uh, forget, no one knows that. No one knows that. You know, and, and I'll say this. Um, I don't give a fuck how much a lion is trained at the end of the day. It's still the, the a lion. lion. And if you need proof of that, Sigfield and Roy. Them niggas was training them lions. And like Earthquake said in his joke, Lion was in the suite one day looking at National Geographic and seeing they fellow kinfolk in the wild and said, nigga, we ain't supposed to be in no suite. And that's when they snapped. And and when one it did I, I can't remember. Did he die? He he died recently, actually. But um, it wasn't the lion thing that killed him. It, it, it didn't help him. I mean, he had injuries that he sustained from it that I, I think affected him all through the rest of his life. But yeah, he uh, he he just recently passed. But he was in serious situation. But that again, now let's just let's say what you what you just said about. 
but you know that's why I said you need to remember where you come from. But you could, there's no problem living in the suite. That lion also, by the way, they say, was doing lion shit. Now, what I mean by that is he thought he might have been protecting whichever that one was, Siegfried or Roy. I don't know which one it was. Right. I think it was Roy, right? Yeah, I think it was Roy. I can't remember who Anyway, was. but he thought there, there was someone attacked. And he did, a lion did what it would do to protect its own, which would be grab it and take it to safety. Right. And the only problem is you can't grab a Roy or a Siegfried, like you would grab. So you're saying a lion was trying to protect them? That, that's, some, that's one of the things somebody said. I don't know if it's true. That's I read that in some article. I don't know if it's true. But, you know, there was I, there was something that happened that was going on, and they think that it might have tried, the, the lion might have been trying to, you know, protect him. But Yeah, I, 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 don't, I, I don't listen to any human beings' theories on what animals do because – Unless you're a fucking animal, how do you know? Again, that's that's white folks with power and control thinking they have the answers to everything. A lion is a goddamn lion. And it's like, it's again, I don't give a fuck how much it's trained. At some point, nature overrides what man thinks it knows and goes, let me show you something. This is a fucking lion. You say that, but you also went skydiving, right? Yes. And you did. You said you only did it once. But yes. You did it. Yes. And uh, many, many things can go wrong. Yes. That, that all these guys, are, those guys know that, that they ha- they don't get in that cage thinking that this lion is not going to eat them. They know that there's a possibility that could happen. They know it's a but they like that feeling. They get have that feeling and of jumping out of the plane. It feels like something. It's You're a, in there within it, a lion. It's, it's a stupid thing to do. But, you know, that's why I go, you don't, you don't test fate. You don't you don't fuck with it. I did it once. I don't need to make a habit of that. But but I, I and I know we don't control nature. Right. But people play football. There's people who have been seriously injured in football. You don't know that that's not going to happen to you, but you do it because But that's a human choice that you make. But you make. You can't control what a lion does. Yeah, but you can't control when that other person hits you or where they hit yeah, you. Yeah, you can. Don't play in the NFL. Well, that's what I'm saying. We all do this. We all have this. We just you're, you're just using uh, nature and, and, and our our animals that are other others that we don't control affecting us. But that is it. Part of our life. They're just doing it in a way that you go. You don't have to do that, and you chose to do that. Most of us have to go walk through life, and we have obstacles that we have to do that we don't control. These guys just took it up. I, I'm, I'm not saying that I like the lion tamer idea. I'm just saying I'll take my chances in pro football 10 times a day than I'll ever take a chance on fucking with a lion. Man. Okay, but now, now let's take it to human nature here. Those two guys were never going to play pro football. Who? Siegfried or Roy. Right. So they're in a position where they're in life, where they have that thrill. They have uh, they they show who they are, and they get paid millions of dollars to do it. It's not that different. You're just looking at it from the perspective of you can't control that lion, but you really can't control anything. Mm. How many motherfuckers die a year uh, playing pro football? Less than getting eaten by uh, lion taming. Exactly. No, no, no. But the thing is, very little people get die of lion taming because very few people lion tame okay but i guarantee you the maulings happen more than people getting killed in a football and playing professional football you know what's so funny about this and not that i'm taking this way out of out of what's necessary to even have this conversation but remember uh, again that tiger dude at the beginning of the pandemic tiger yeah 
Doesn't that seem like 10 years ago? It feels it. I, it's just so weird to me because right. we were having this conversation. And I was going to bring up him right. and the girl that got right. her arm ate off and she's still working right. at. Dude, this pandemic has made every like it doesn't feel that long. But it, that right. scenario when we first started. Well, he was so popular for five minutes, for five minutes. And now he's so into obscurity. That is just how long we've been locked up that that feels that far ago. And right. it really does feel like that was a whole that feels 10 years ago right now to me. Right. Anyway, uh so all in all, Tyson calls Tyson's people call you tomorrow. Yes, I'll do it again. But they got to call me. But what is it? Now, why would you do that again? Because of the love you have how he touched you emotionally as a child. That is part of it, but make no mistake. I I I was doing it for that but I was also doing it for the podcast because he has one of the top podcasts yeah. in the podcast game. So listen, if they said, and, and I even said, uh, I, I asked this question to the producers, Hey, during the podcast, I can shout out my podcast. Correct. So, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If they told me I couldn't, it's not worth doing it. Then it just, I'm not just, I don't want to just want to do it for the love of, I love Mike Tyson. I got to get something out of this. But you wouldn't want to just sit down with Mike Tyson if that. Okay, let's say this. Hey, hey, Aries, um, Tyson feels bad about what happened. We don't have space for you on the podcast. We only do so many a year. We already filled that. This is what it is. But Tyson felt really bad about it. He'd just like to fly you out to have dinner in Vegas. You want to come on out? Can you come out, out this Thursday just for dinner? We'll fly you in. We'll fly you out. No. No. I don't, I don't want to just to have dinner and, and no. With Tyson? No. Nah. The dude you grew up with watching yeah, me. Fuck that. I'm 45. I, I need to <laughs> bills to be paid. And, you know, there's got to be an end to justify the means. I, I, I did the, my biggest. That's the cherry on the ice cream. The fact that I get to do this with Mike and talk to Mike is the cherry on the ice cream. But the main objective, I got to push our podcast. We got to grow these listeners, grow these numbers. Why? To make some money. There's a there's there's a lot of money potentially in this, dude. I, Fuck I, that. I, I think I think the little kid in you is kind of dead. I think he's dying. No, no, no. I I'd have to already be in Vegas. Just so happens, hey, all right. But to okay, so dinner's not off the table. It's just it has to be relatively uh, convenient. Absolutely. So, Fuck so, relatively. Absolutely convenient. So that you're not. Yeah, because if it's a dinner, this is mutual. Right. Okay. I, I'm not packing a bag, flying on a plane. And listen, Vegas is only a, 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 an hour flight from L.A., you know. Um, but I'm not a big Vegas guy. I only like Vegas if it's an event. If I'm going to a boxing match, I'm not a gambler. I don't like giving my money away with nothing in return. Um, so I'm not big on Vegas. And I don't like necessarily flying. But if I'm going to get on a plane and go to Vegas, it's got to be something at the end of the rainbow. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, Jew. <laughs> Absolutely makes sense. Um, we, we we are in Tacoma. Where we gonna Where are we gonna? Do you, you want to? Are, are we ready to? Are, are we there? Are you? What do you mean? Are we at the end of this? Yeah. Yeah, it's 58 minutes. Yeah, well, so then I was going to say, we're in Tacoma right now. We're in Tacoma. We had a great time at Tacoma Comedy Club. 
Yeah. I like Tacoma Comedy Club. You like everything. Don't, okay, let's let's have a little bit. Let, let's add a few more minutes to this podcast. Because we, we talked about this last night. Matter of fact, the way we had the... And I love how... I don't know whose idea it was to do it, but the way we entitled the whole podcast Snowfall with big, bold letters, uh, we should do that with this Tyson. Tyson. Because this took up the whole hour. But... I just got to ask you this question because yes. we are here in Tacoma and it, we had some, we've been here before. Yes. There was a lot of loud, loud listeners. I mean, they were there. A little they, bit of rowdiness. They came out very, not, not to be, they weren't, they didn't come out to be hecklers. Right. They were just loud. They were Unin- unintentional uh, foolery. Uh, and then on the late show last night, we had people that seriously reminded me of, uh, uh, of uh, like like it was a contest of, of not laughing. They, they weren't the the best laughers. No, this club is hit and miss with with the audience. Sometimes it's a weird. First of all, uh, it's echoey. I don't like the acoustics. It's because there's nobody. We have there's social distancing. Only twenty five percent of the room is full. No, I've been here several times when there wasn't COVID and it was packed. That's the nature of the room. But it wasn't as echoey as it is this weekend. No, it's echoey. It's okay. it's period. It's echoey. Um, and then when you have echo on top of uh, unintentional foolery, it echoes. So it just it, it, you know you know what I love about you, Andy. Like when in, in the heat of a moment when shit ain't right, it's almost like he you say your feelings. But then when time has passed and you gotta let it, it's a new day. You soften up a little no, bit. No, okay. Here's why. I'll tell you why. Okay, I've been in the restaurant business for a good part of my life. Right. And I look at that room and I understand the room. First of all, the room has the big. It has a, a stage in the center, but the room after the stage after the, the the it's all in one building, and the bar is in the back of the room, and the the stage the stage is in the showroom part, and then there's a whole another entranceway. Uh, so there's a lot of open space for open sounds. There's no carpet on the floor. It's it's uh, it's concrete floor painted, and then there's a high ceiling. That alone is going to create a lot of a lot of weird noise. Mm-hmm. But you get back to the part where I'm saying, and that's the reason why I kind of pulled back on the sound. But there was some weird stuff with the sound. I think this has a lot to do with COVID because these this, they just came out of lockdown February first. Right. right. I think as we come back from covid people are going to have a hard time socially interacting again i think people forgot how to interact socially right you don't you don't agree with that i i, I don't want to spend a lot of time because i know we're at no, the no, end no, of the podcast I, I, but I, um I, I i think people are happy to be out excited to be out excited to be out but then there comes a point where the excitement has to resides and you got to go back into normal behavior but I think people in this last year, like I just said, that that uh, that uh, Tiger King or what I think it was Tiger, not mm-hmm. uh, whatever it was, Tiger King was Tiger. Yeah. We said that seemed like years ago, mm-hmm. not just a year ago. Right. I think people have just been cooped up for so long, and then they get to come out, and now they're with their friends. They're talking. They love you. I mean, seriously, that was love. That when those people, it was annoying, <laughs> right. but it was love. They're, right. Woo! Ha! Yeah. Yeah. Right. They forgot how to, how to interact in a social situation in a live room because they haven't been there. But I'm worried about the guys, the people, especially dudes, who haven't been out. And uh, and I said this to you last night. 
maybe their shoe hasn't got stepped on in over a year. They're in the crowd. Right. No one stepped on their shoe. They haven't been bumped. No one's looked at their girl. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to go out. We're going to be in a social setting again. People aren't going to be, you know, when, when you were walking and you see a girl, you might look, but you haven't seen a girl in a long time out. Maybe you look a little longer. That dude hasn't seen anybody look at his girl. You stepped on his shoe when he walked by. How are we going to interact with each other when we come out of this COVID thing? I think it's going to get, I think it's going to be brutal for a little while. I don't think so. I, I, I think people are going to fall right back in line with what they've always done and known. You know, I think majority rules when you've done something for so long, uh, it, it's, it's like muscle memory. You know, no matter how long you are away from the game, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of rust, but it don't take you that long to get your rhythm. I, I, I think we're creatures of habit. And yes. We've broken the habit, and I think it's going to take a while for people to get back in. But we've, we've been more accustomed We've been more accustomed to knowing what to do and how to act than the reverse. So that's why I'm saying this right now is going to be the rust. I don't think it'll take that long to knock the rust off. I agree. It's not going to take forever. But I think that first, as we come out of this, the first few months, I think are going to be a little awkward. Okay. I hear you. All right. Um, Coming up, uh, this is the last... Of his, uh, this is the last song by him. Oh, before you get that, Baltimore, uh, the second week of March. Okay. Baltimore, we're going to be at the Comedy Factory. Yeah, okay, second week of March, Baltimore. Uh, we are not going to go to Lexington Market. No. Unless, unless there's a guarantee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh. And a guarantee for me is it's been bulldozed to non-existence. <laughs> I seen rat run on uh, lemon meringue, nigga. I'm good. Dude, best crab cakes I ever had in my life, though. Yeah, left in the market. Some of the best pussy you ever have is the best pussy till you go to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. I ain't into no clinical cooch. Uh, the doctor. This is his last song on the on the on the three songs. Uh the Doctor Maurice Dotson, aka the Doctor. T H A D O C C T A H. Um He 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 was I think he was a little upset because I forgot to answer the question about one of his songs. Was it like Biggie's Niggas Bleed? Um I haven't to be honest with you, uh I haven't heard the whole song and I gotta hear it again. Uh I really do have to hear it again to, to, to just remember because niggas bleed, like I said, was like a Martin Scorsese scene, how, how in depth and detailed and colorful Biggie threw down on that. So forgive me, dog, but I got to hear it again to give it its, its proper assessment. But this song is called bet that by the doctor T H A T O C C T A H. Uh, here it is. Enjoy. My people, pay attention as I demonstrate How the foe's supposed to go and how to break the bank 
Now what I'm saying, brick and bake, I mean that magic cake, that kind that that pastor make when you pass around that collection plate. Uh, I know I got more hoes than the low slow owner, and got more haters than the pimping gators fucking over. I told you, it ain't no limit like the Master P. I be the king of that wretched since I refer to me as your majesty. Uh, I'm so abrasive when it comes to making paper stacks. Sometimes I wanna call up Shaq to tell me where the Lakers at, so I can serve a murder by the trash bags and buckets. My smoke a blunt with Donald Trump just to get the duckies. Well, fuck it. That's how the game go. That's how we play. Made my mind to keep on the grind since I put my time up for CCA. I quit the popular college kids do the molly pills. Consequences murder when you fucking with my dollar bills. You say you wanna run up on me where my nigga bit that. You say you got some shit to show me where my nigga bit that. If it's about stack interaction, no, I got to get that. If you wanna bring the drama, it's an honor, nigga bit that. My boy, you claim you getting green? What the fuck you mean? You niggas stay more broken than the Mickey D's ice cream machine. Heard you got some questions, tell me what you wanna know. But watch your mouth because I really hate to let that llama go. I see you in them skinny jeans, about to pop a stitch. Sagging like you fagging while you looking like somebody's bitch. Them pigs say some years, so you feel you gotta stitch. They set you freaking, then they find your body in the garbage dish. So go ahead, hater, run up on me if you wanna. I'll blow your heart up out your chest, fuck your organ donor. Pardon what I say, I really hate it's gotta be this way. Don't you wanna shoot your shit when you hit the steel? It's gonna rip the shape. Until the day that my good sailor take me from this world, I'm going. Can you feel it, baby?